All right, welcome back. Uh, I think this is like something like my 16th or 17th podcast. It's great. We're getting in a rhythm here. Uh, we're back for number two in our series about the best tasting whiskeys on earth uh, with uh, Chris Rodovi from the Whiskey Room. Chris, you doing well? Yeah, I'm doing good. Doing good. Yeah, we're sitting out back on his uh, porch, so we're outside taking in probably. I would describe this as a beautiful spring day, even though it's the beginning of June. It's just stunning. Lovely 78 degree day. And as uh, anybody who listened much earlier in the in the ser- podcast before this series started, uh, last time I was uh, sipping scotch outdoors, which we're skip, skip uh, we're sipping today. Uh, was a Glenfiddich product. It was a 26-year-old Glenfiddich, or no, 21-year-old Glenfiddich with uh, Joe Satava. Oh, good old Joe. But uh, here we are, number nine. Uh, well, number nine on the list uh, when we saw it, uh, Glenfiddich 12-year-old. I say that because, so like after our last podcast, I then put things together, and then I said, Chris, I looked at the original list that the the article from Uproxx was based on, and the order has changed. <laughs> You know, they had had what twenty one thousand some odd people, and then and now with another twenty, another thousand was twenty two thousand. Number nine, which uh, on their original list was this Glenfiddich twelve year, had flip flop with number eight, which was Jack Daniels. So Glenfiddich had moved up to number eight. Jack Daniels had moved down to number nine. So I was chatting with him. Maybe we should go to the new order, stay with the old order, and we hadn't decided. And then by today. <laughs> I looked at the list, and number 10 had switched where our first one, which we tasted last time, uh, the Johnny, Johnny, Walker Walker, Black. Johnny Walker Black, had fallen down from number 10 to number 11 and then overtaken by Glenn Morangie, uh the 10-year-old uh, Speyside Whiskey. And I just was like, you know, we're not going to be able to keep up with all these flippity-floppities. We're going to stick with the original 10 list. Yeah, it's Even idea. though things are in fluctuation, um, it's a, it was a good list when we looked at it, and we're going to stick with it for this, right? Sounds good. So uh, what do you know about uh, Glenfiddich, Chris? Glenfiddich is, uh, well, it's one of the staple single malts, in my opinion. It was one of the early ones into the American market, helped stabilize along with the Glenlivet. Uh, and it's incredibly reliable. Had a wonderful tasting with you at the ESB about a year or so ago, where we did get to taste uh, the whole range. Or at least three well, years was ago. It three, was it three years ago? <laughs> Longer ago than I thought. Um, but uh, it makes a very uh, delightful and consistent product. They um, did I short pour you? I'm sorry. That's an they, good friend. They use a Solara method um, for their higher um, level. For one of their higher levels. Yeah. yeah. But they also they do marry. Uh, they use uh, European oak and American oak. I mean, the European oak mostly has been done in sherry. And after they've aged them for 12 years, for the 12-year single malt, which we're tasting, they That's actually... That's actually what this is, Chris, by the way. This, number 12, is just those two you said. Yeah. It's only European oak sherry cast, Oloroso, oh, yeah. and, and, American. and American oak cast. It's only those two, whereas other there are other expressions you were talking about. They do something different with each one. Correct, yeah, yeah. So that is unique and fun about Glenfiddich. And then they um, they then marry them together yep. to, for a couple months in, an, in, I'm assuming, a continuation of one of those types of oaks. Which or it could be a neutral oak vat, yeah. Which which balances it together uh, nicely. I mean, it brings it back home. Uh, the well, twelve so year, it's, yeah. It's it's their it's kind of their signature here. And Glenfiddich means uh, Valley of the, the Deer, deer. yeah. yeah the which deer. is why they have a stag uh, as their emblem. 
um, which are, are very. Uh, I've been to Scotland once, and stags are everywhere. Like there's emblems of stags on buildings, on bars, on numerous scotches. I mean, that's a big symbol there. For a second there, I thought it was like overrun <laughs> with stags like running all. Over. Well, no, not that stag parties. Although I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of those too. Probably, probably are probably um, where they probably drink uh, several drams of this or other uh, other whiskeys. So the first thing you look at when you see this is it's got a beautiful kind of golden color. Yeah. Um, it's a real nice golden color. Definitely. And it has a good residual on the glass as you. Uh, swirl it around it, it leaves it looking nice yeah now they um I, I think this is 80 right on the money yep this is 80 proof so they um they do bring it down to what is considered you know the minimum standard in order for import to the united states sometimes it, some some of the other single malts at this level might be like 81 82 proof nothing much more but this is the minimum uh, standard what do you get on the nose, Chris? You've been nosing it a while there. Well, you get a lot of florals on the nose. Totally. And a lot of fruits. Dried fruit. Yeah. But the uh, the florals, to me, stand out the most, because that's not... It's oh, yeah. not uncommon in malt, but it, it's a uniqueness that it's you get. It's something that I know they go for with the Glenfiddich, is all those florals. It, does, it smells like a bouquet of flowers. Yeah. It really does. Um, and there's a little bit... After that, there's a little bit of uh, peat on the background. Peat, but not smoke. Nope, but not smoke. I agree. A little peat on the background. Well, you take a you take a whiff, and uh, I mean, you take a sip, and I'll. I'm gonna dive in. Dive right in, and uh, I'm gonna mention that the one of the reasons I think this is on that list uh, as a favorite is it's usually quite affordable. Yeah, it's a it's an it's an approachable price point for the Glen uh, Glenfiddich twelve year. I almost slipped and said Glen Levitt by mistake. Um, I like that it's actually uh, we're number nine into the list and we've got our first single malt, which is nice because that's what it started with for me anyway. Um, it's very nice. There's a a little bit of spiciness, but it's not a biting spice. It's a very smooth flavor. Uh, I get like pear, pear, vanilla, a little yeah from the oak, a um, creaminess, definitely creaminess. Mm. And this is a perfect sip for a day like today. Although I do not associate scotch or any whiskey for that matter with any specific weather, this is perfect though. It doesn't pear, it's not heavy. honey, yeah, um, honey, yeah, creaminess, creaminess. Yep, it, it coats your uh, throat. Contrary to in the spicing tongue, yeah. in your tongue, it's nice. Yeah. Um, one of the things, uh, one of the reasons I believe Glenfiddich is probably on this list higher, uh, you know, maybe not as high as some other single malts that are there, but higher than some might think it should be, um, because I think Glenfiddich is overshadowed by a lot of other single malts these days, at least in the American marketplace. But Glenfiddich was the first single malt to be distributed into the United States, 1963, I believe. Three or four, yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, I probably was. Uh, it was probably featured in Mad Men because of that. Uh, Might have been. So. Uh, no, I know that it was uh, the two first dominant ones, at least, were Glenfiddich and Glenlivet. Yeah. And I, and I think you're right, though. No. Glenfiddich was the first. Yep. Yep. It was. Well, they're both. Uh, aren't they both William Grant? Yep. Yeah. 
So that's the Chivas family. Why well, don't... Doesn't William Grant own Chivas? No, I, Glenn Livid is not William Grant, but Glenn Fiddick is. Oh, okay. Um, the, uh, now, the last one we had, we had the Johnny Walker, and we, uh, we used ice. And it was a blended scotch. And uh, we did that because we know that that is a, a very common way that people drink Johnny Walker Black. Now, um, Chris, what would you say most people think to, 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 to how to drink single malts? You know, people who are single malt whiskey drinkers. Well, what, are they, what do they normally say? Well, having been to a couple distilleries and numerous tastings. No, no, no. I mean drinkers of single malt. Well, drinkers of single All right. Well, your average drinker in America is probably going to say, oh, you got to drink that neat, which means you don't put water in it, you don't put ice in it. Right. And uh, that is a legitimate preference one can have. Um, in my opinion, and seemingly the opinion of at least all the distillers that I've talked to, is you should put at least some water in it. What they say is water to taste. And that opens up the esters. It opens up a lot of the things that the wood actually imparts. And some of the alcohol ones, it mutes some right. others. But it, it does open it up, and I've heard different terms for that. I've heard uh, one whiskey expert calls it releasing the serpent. Mm-hmm. Um, others just say it's opening it up. I like to say it's releasing the hounds because I like to be different, and right. it sounds funny. Release the hounds! Right, sure. Um, but, uh, no, I think you're right on. I think the other thing I've heard from master distillers, both uh, in Scotland as well as, you know, other places, the States, they talk about how, you know, <laughs> drink it however you want. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, but which I'm not going to be throwing this into, you know, Coca-Cola or anything. But they, they wouldn't care as long as you were buying their product. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know. Uh, although I hear, not to go backwards too much, I hear that all the rage is to drink Johnny Walker Black and Red Bull. Uh. Um, I haven't tried it, but you know, maybe 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 they're onto something. I'll uh, I'll, I'll skip that. I'll, I'll just take my Johnny Walker. As but is. but before the podcast, Chris and I were talking about what to, how to drink this, and we said, of course, we would start neat. We're going to start neat with all these spirits because that's the first way I think you should taste anything. It's kind of like if you go into a restaurant, you know. It, you know, if you're going into Denny's and you're getting fried eggs and you know you want salt on your eggs or pepper, that's fine. You know, you, you don't expect them to come out seasoned. But if you go to a real restaurant and before you even taste the food, you start to put salt and pepper on it or steak sauce or whatever before you've tasted how the chef has prepared it. I always kind of think of that as an insult. Well, and I've heard chefs say that. I mean, in my days working in restaurants as a waiter and a bartender, I've... I've you know I've seen chefs peek around that corner to see how something was handled and not been pleased, but you know everyone's got their tastes and I understand that. But I, I agree, you know, tasting it neat is usually tasting it and then and as then you say, said oh, to, I need, to you know. taste right. So uh, we were discussing and we said you know what for this one we're we're going to do uh, neat and then we're going to try a little water because and and avoid the ice. And the reason for that is as we talked about in the last one, you can go ahead and put the cap full in each, Chris. Um, the reason we're going to try that is that. Uh, Ice, as we talked about with the Johnny Walker, tends to uh, cut away bitterness and enhance sweetness. And as Chris and I were just talking about, the flavors in this were like pear, vanilla, some maybe creamy caramel flavors, you know, honey. It's already pretty sweet. And we don't want to kill the florals. We talked about the aromas getting killed uh, in the Johnny Walker. Um, and so we're just kind of trying to awaken this a little bit. So by putting in this cap full, we're going we're gonna to re-nose. And wow, um, more caramel now than the florals. Definitely, yeah. The the caram- the the, the uh, flavors you get from the oak, or the oak imparts. Right. 
come out more, much more with present a little bit with of that. Uh, and, you got the caramel, like, the vanilla, the this is like a very tiny is, cap. This is probably like half a teaspoon of water yeah. or less. I lost my eyedropper, I'm sorry. That's uh, okay. No, no, no. I mean, eyedropper. Fancy schmancy. Eyedroppers are for bitters in ch- children's medicine. <laughs> well, in cat medicine. Oh, yeah. It, uh, God, cat medicine. So, yeah, I mean, it's like it's like the nose completely changed from the florals into the caramel dominance. That's the biggest change on the nose, I think. Yeah, there's even... And oddly enough, even though you, you definitely, at least for me, you definitely get more of the caramel dominance, but even the spicy is backed off. Yep. I agree. And, and what's, what do we, what comes across in the palate? You already took a sip, didn't you? I'm going to take another. You're going to take another? Yeah. Well, the, the spiciness even of the flavor has been muted, and that's just like when you put ice when we put ice in uh, the uh, Johnny Walker, it muted it a little bit. But like the nose changed, the the mouth for me changed. I, I'm getting more of again the oaky flavors. I'm actually even getting a little bit of tannin, which is very unusual for me. I don't usually notice that unless I'm drinking wine. And it's less creamy. And it's less creamy. Much less creamy. It's coating a little more buttery, but yeah. less creamy. Yeah, and that's a weird distinction to make. By creamy, I mean the coating factor right. uh, that, that you sometimes get as it goes down. And with less bite, you know, maybe you don't need so much cream. I don't know. But it, and well, with, I feel like that buttery thing you were talking about is kind of like a combination. It's that caramel thing where it's vanilla, it's honey, yeah, and it's less creamy, so it's brighter dairy notes kind of thing. It takes a bit of the sweetness away. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and by sweetness, I don't mean this is a sweet drink. It's not no. a Shirley Temple but, you know, some flavors just have a, a sweet kind of color to them as opposed to an actual sugar factor. That's what I meant by that, a little less sweetness. Yeah. Um, and it, um, the, the fruit has changed a little. It's a little less pear for me, a little more apple maybe, green uh, apple. I can totally, totally agree with that. Totally agree with that assessment. It's a really, uh, it's a really good dram either way. And I could see, I could, act, I mean, it's wonderful. It's almost like you're getting two different single malts in one bottle. Definitely. Yeah. I'll go with that. You know, and 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 that makes it a pretty cool pretty cool thing. It's a pretty cool thing and like we chatted very quickly last week with the Johnny Walker when Johnny Walker talks about how they have complexity to their blends because they're using these high-level single malts. Well, here's a single malt. It has complexity already to its flavor. Now it's a 12-year-old. It's a young one for them. It's their entry level, if you will. But there's still it held up. It holds up. It changes. It adapts. Um, it's delightful. Yeah, and we should we should mention single malt means for those who maybe don't know. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Right, because I mean it's our first single malt. Some listeners may not know uh, what that means. Single malt means it comes from a single distillery and uses only malt. One yeah, one type of right. One malt. type of malt. It doesn't mean that. It's all one barrel or all one. It's, it's multiple barrels blended, as we were talking about, the two different types for this one, the Oloroso Sherry European and the American Oast married together. They don't tell you 50-50 or 60-40 or whatever. It's nuanced, obviously, because, again, they want a consistency of product. Yeah. The only thing that they're, you're guaranteed is the minimum age of those is 12 years before they go into the marrying process. Yeah. Well, I think this is... This is an amazing, uh, amazing number nine choice. I, 
I mean, like, if this is number nine, you go, wow, where are we going next? That's where are question. we going next? That's a, that's a nice segue. Let me... Uh, You're going to look that up? Let me see if I can pull my list back up real quick. Um, I think uh, we we head to I America. Come, I think we come back to America. Yeah, well, not back to. I mean, we've, we've been over in Scotland. We went blended... Oh, yes, we went blended. You're right, you're right. Scotch whiskey, now we do single malt scotch whiskey, and now I think we actually come over to the States. And um, it is, if if my memory serves me correctly, it is one of the uh, most well-known whiskeys in the United States. uh, In the world, actually, probably. Um, And it's... Loading. It's very unique. I mean, they've (laughs) even sued, or not sued... They've even tried to legislate to legislate out the remainder of the market in their uh, segment. You're right. They get more specific in their clarification. Correct. At number eight, our next gathering will be the Jack Daniels Distillery. Black Label. Black Label, number seven, good old number seven, Tennessee whiskey. Yep. Well, that uh, wraps this one up. And when we uh, when, when you tune in next for this series, you heard it. We'll be doing, drinking Jack Daniels. Cheers. Cheers.